Boom! Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of the 13th Men Sports Live Show. It's been an exciting week in sports. We have NHL free agency that just kicked off today. Who cares? CFL cuts. Um, our last cuts are coming in on Friday, I believe, at five o'clock. Is is the cutoff? Something like that. Uh, and you know, baseball's in the midst of it, just after the All Star break. NFL football has started back up. Camp started for them today. So it's been a been a wild week, and I believe the the NBA draft is tomorrow night as well. Oh my God, is it? Yeah, Raptors Man, are like, picking fourth, their highest yeah. pick in fourteen years or fifteen years. I'll be honest, I've had my sights set so hard on uh, on the CFL right now. I don't know what's going on outside in different sports. Uh, I still have to finish up my Sens day two draft recap. Um, <sighs> God knows when that's going to happen. Um, NBA man, not even in my on my radar. Like the CEBL, I guess is kind of there. You know, um, he called you Shane the Train. Nick just called you Shane the Train in the comments. Yeah, let's go. I like it. <laughs> um, Frank the yeah, Tank been, is Shane. Uh, yo, honestly, I'm feeling those nicknames. I don't know. I don't, Frank the Tank is so generic, man, and I've never heard Shane the Train before, but that's also generic. I, I I've, I've never heard it before, which is why I like it. Yeah. The Frank the Tank and Shane the Train show? Oh, man, I'm about it. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, we've established the 13th man too much at this point to, to switch Lame. to something like that. Okay, but, yeah, we'll do the 13th man... 13-man sports live show hosted by Frank the Tank and Shane the Train. There you go. There it is right, right there. All right, all right. I, I guess, you know, I'm not – I don't know. I'm against Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank's boring. You can you can run with Shane the Train if you want. Well, that's not as much fun if you're not doing Frank the Tank. It's too easy. Well, it's I mean, easy. you, know, you, you got you to give out sometimes. Nick, when we start making money, you can have your cut, okay? <laughs> hey, hey, we might be very soon. We got some big news to drop later in the show. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to drop that. We didn't really plan that part out, but um, but yeah, back to back to what I was saying. Uh, the CFL has been my primary focus. I've been at Red Blacks training camp every single day. I think today was day seventeen, uh, and there's only been one off day so far. So I think I've had sixteen days. No, that's not true. I've ha- I've actually had seventeen days at the stadium. So, yeah, because you went on Saturday for some weird reason. Yeah, the Saturday where they were uh, just doing meetings and stuff. I went to just go walk around the stadium and just be back, you know. And that's why I am very dark now. It has been hot and sunny. I've been at work. Because I How's work in 96. It's that? been good. It was good. It's weird. Having a grown-up job and all, that's weird. Yeah. Hey, man, my, my shifts have been coming in the evening and uh, – you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not. I'm not going to complain that I've been able to go to training camp this whole time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Um, but yeah, no big. It's been a big week in, in the in the sports scene. I know Frankie's been covering a lot of uh, a lot of the CFL stuff. You, if you've been paying attention to our Twitter, it's that he's there all the time. He's rocking his uh, Don Nwumba jersey. Just got it. Uh, it looks awesome, by the way, um, and. Uh, Speaking of Red Flags jersey, Shane, we, we both saw the leak. Um, it's so bad. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm reserving 
my comments for A, that being officially unveiled because there's still a chance that that is slightly different because as we've seen before, especially if you look at the BC Lions when they unveiled their new New Era jerseys, the fan version looked very different from the on-field version, right? So I'm kind of waiting to see what they look like when they're completely unveiled with the, the pants and um, – Oh, my God. Don was not getting cut, okay? <laughs> um, Frankie's dad jumping into the chat to throw some shade about that Nick Arbuckle jersey. Look, he was on the team. He was going to be the starting quarterback. Um, well, was I supposed to predict the pandemic? I guess I will yes. next time, okay? Like, um, But <laughs> you got to stop putting things on the screen that I can't say because when people listen in podcast form, they don't know what I'm laughing about. Well, that so, sucks for you. Um, so no, that sounds but, like a you problem, not a me yeah. problem. I'm just putting out the uh, the comments. I don't want to hear it. Um, but, it, yeah, I'm waiting to see what uh, what they look like when they're unveiled. Pants, helmet. I want to see the whole look. I want to see how the numbers look on the jersey. I feel that it could end up being a good-looking set when this if, is all said and done. If the jersey numbers are different than the traditional ones that, that you have – on the home and away, I think it would look better. I just don't see the the need for that. Like, I don't like that font. I, I just – It was cut by the Sawblade. You didn't watch the video, did you? So, no, I did. I just don't care for it. I don't think it's like – I don't care much for it. But the R was I'm, cut by the blade and so were the numbers. Don't care. I really don't. Okay. Um, it's, it doesn't look good. It looks like a, we're a college team. And I think that – and maybe it's just me being, like, cynical and a, a traditionalist, but I kind of want them to go back to – and I'm disappointed that it's not all red. And I think that's the thing that disappoints me is that – What, you mean, like, no piping whatsoever at all? Yeah, because, like – and, again, maybe this is just me and, like, being naive or being hopeful that they would – you know, they release the player jerseys. And I would I was expecting – Something similar, just like a, a Rough Riders style Red Blacks jersey. Because that's kind of what they were hinting at with the player jerseys. But clearly I was mistaken. And you're, you're, mistaken. you're referring to those t-shirts that they unveiled, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so for the people that don't know or haven't seen those, they unveiled – do they have anything on the front of them? Just uh, the number. Just the number? Yeah, so they so. have like – jersey shirt t- like t-shirts that are just all red uh and i think they have a bunch of matt nichols and like Antwerp, like the stars um yeah. they just have block font white font you know name number back and front yeah i mean they, they look like the the rush jackson and uh, the other one that they came out with i can't remember who they who else they came out with i know they came out with two but it's dissimilar to that style. So I was like, oh, maybe my my dumbass was like, oh, <laughs> maybe uh, they'll come out with something like that. But See, I, I never I never thought it would be that. I think the to me a red out game, which they had said would be happening last year in 2020, was different from that of what we would see in like a in a retro jersey night, you know? Well when um, I think red out, I think all red. Right? I don't think red and black when I think of red out. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, this is also an alternate jersey. This isn't, like, meant to be a special occasion jersey. This is just a third jersey that they can roll out at any time. So 
I'm wondering though, maybe they roll out a set of red pants with this, you know? I hope and so. Then you can have the option to wear the red pants when you're on wearing different jerseys too. Uh, they haven't really mixed and matched much except with the white jersey, but we did see them wear which, the white pants once with the black jersey, which was see, phenomenal. See, if they were to do if they were to bring red pants to the black jersey, crisp. I would want them though crisp. almost to not like the, they currently have a little bit of striping on them, and they say Our Nation on them. I would almost want them just straight up red, like no yeah. piping at all. Um, I think that would be cool. You know, stick those on the white jersey every now and then. They'd match the numbers pretty nicely. Um, I, I just – I don't know. Uniforms interest me too much. I, I love the, the uniforms. I, I hope – you know, I kind of wish they came out with, a you know, the turf collection – when they came out with the turf collection, they came out with like retro jerseys yeah. for that collection. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. They didn't. And they then turfed the turf collection. Some of the players still wear that stuff. Like the, uh, the rough riders, like helmet logo that they had on those hats. Those are pretty nice. And I swear to God, Marco Dubois wears one every single day to practice. Yeah. That's not surprising. I mean, I've seen people, like, I've seen a couple of the Hamilton players wear some of the old stealth gear. I've seen... Yeah, that's weird, uh, eh? I wonder why they're doing that. They're not, if it, I assume it's, like, my, my thinking is that whatever pants don't get sold are reused. Well, I, right? Because they probably get new game pants every year, especially when they switch over from, you know, brands. And they've switched over from brands for three times... Since twenty like fourteen, it's just weird though because other teams around the leagues are usually just using the, uh, like, the set of like Under Armour like tights kind of thing, yeah, and then a set of shorts. And Hamilton's not; they're just using those old Reebok pants, which I don't know. I thought they I might mean, be hey, coming back, and then I was shown the Reebok logo on them. Maybe they're just like, hey, we have these. It's just so people are comfortable wearing pants again. Could be. I don't know. Because like. Is, when, that, is like, that like a step? Is that a, is that a thing that you have to get used to? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's why, like, when I play, I wear the pants for the first two weeks of practice. I go back to the shorts, and then the week leading up to to the game, like to the first game, I wear pants for the practice because it is a different because you you have that. You're not restricted mobility-wise compared to shorts, but you have that different feel on than when you have shorts on. It's weird, but there's definitely a difference. Mm-hmm. And when you're wearing all pads, it's easier to wear pants to get used to wearing the entire gear again. So that's why it's good that you played because like, I would never have known that. But um, <laughs> let's stop talking about your pants slash shorts. And get to some of the storylines before we're joined by Red Blacks receiver Michael Klukas around eight o'clock. Um, where where do we want to start? Uh, let's, not start the with, let's not start with the Red Blacks because well, let's start with BC. The biggest storyline there is Nathan Rourke winning, beating out Will Arndt for that backup job. We'll start I am with the not two surprised with that whatsoever. By the way, the two the two biggest storylines is are the Canadian quarterbacks out west. Nathan Rourke has beat out Will Arndt for the backup job. I think that's huge for for Canadian football. It's huge for people who want to see a you know a Canadian quarterback play because if Mike Riley gets hurt at any point of the season, 
Nathan Rourke is the guy to step in. Yeah. I think Rourke is a little bit different than some of the other guys that we saw, like Brandon Bridge, who I don't think was ever really in a situation where you'd be comfortable with him starting a football game, right? To me, I think Nathan Rourke has the it factor that other Canadian quarterbacks haven't had. Uh, And I think he's fully capable of starting games at some point. I think he's capable of being an elite quarterback at the CFL level. I mean, that's really, really putting the cart in front of the horse here. But I think he has that ability. And him winning the second string spot over Will Arndt, who Rick Campbell likes clearly because he brought him to BC with him. And Arndt has done nothing but prove people wrong so far. He won his spot last year. He was on track to be the second-string quarterback this year, and Nathan Rourke came in and beat out a, a guy who's been at the CFL level before. Without any preseason games. Exactly. That's not easy to do. And then you have Cal- you have Calgary, who is expected to carry four quarterbacks. Are they? You know, I, haven't, I haven't really they, come up with much, to be honest. Uh, there was a report today, uh, earlier today, stating that Calgary – uh, Dickinson feels that, you know, if they need to carry, you know, all four quarterbacks because they want to see more from them because there is no preseason games, they'll carry the four quarterbacks and make adjustments if needed. Yeah. You know, they, I don't think they're, uh, I tried, I looked it up. Uh, I think it's a three down nation by, uh, uh, John Hodge. And he was talking about how none of the three have really elevated themselves above each other. So it sounds like, hey, Calgary could carry four quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for them with Bowley by Mitchell, I think it's not necessarily not important for them to find a good backup quarterback because it is. We've seen them get hurt in the past. But for whatever reason, that team is the one that I'm most comfortable with going in with a question mark because they did it with Arbuckle. You know, I, I just feel like it doesn't matter who else they have. They have something. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the teams that I look at, and I'm like, oh well, you know, they'll this kook, they'll, they'll figure it out. Like, you know, they they know exactly what they're doing, and the when if worst comes to if the worst case scenario happens, they'll be able to adjust. You say that until it doesn't happen. You know, we've been saying that Calgary's going to fall off. They're going to fall off. They're going to fall off, and it just hasn't happened. You know? I don't think they're going to fall off, but if if Bo Levi gets hurt. And, you know, gets hurt to a point where he's missing a significant amount of games, which in a 14-game season, losing those extra four games is huge. Yeah. I mean, even a two-game injury could be the difference between you making the playoffs and missing the playoffs. Yeah. So I feel like Calgary is one of those teams where, like, if if they're in that situation, they will be able to adjust properly and, uh, you know, figure out what's – what needs to be done and who's the proper uh, like what's the proper course of action. Yeah. Also on the BC front too, by the way, they canceled the rest of the training camp, which was just tomorrow's practice. Um, yeah. Are they, they moving kinda, back to uh, Surrey or whatever? I'm not sure what they're doing. I just saw the headline this morning that said their training camp is basically over. Uh, yeah, because of smoke. they've had a couple days where they've lost the ability to practice because of the air quality out there. Yeah, and it sucks for them, but I mean, I'm surprised they just haven't been practicing in friggin' BC place. I don't know. Well, I wonder how much. Like, I think Ottawa might, is 
Ottawa's in their own stadium. Hamilton's in their own stadium. And I think uh, Edmonton's in their own stadium. Edmonton is. Okay, so yeah, there's only four teams that are in. Calgary's in their own stadium. No, sorry. You're right. (laughs) I think BC and Toronto are the only two that aren't. Montreal was at uh, a university. Well, they play out of university. Well, they weren't at their own stadium. They weren't at McGill? Because that's their – they moved there for their scrimmage. They've only been there for about half of their camp at most. But they are back at McGill now. Toronto has been at – They might have uh, been at like Laval or Montreal because of the connection. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Toronto's been at Guelph, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we – do we know anything about Saskatchewan? They've been out in – at. Uh, no, no. I mean in terms of like how their camp is going. Uh, bad. <laughs> is that what you heard? Like – Injury well, wise, yeah, injuries, I think they've yeah. lost like six or seven players due to injury. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I mean, I haven't heard anything. Apparently, Paxton Lynch has been impressing. Uh, Noah Pickton, though, uh, another Canadian quarterback, from, from what I read again, another Three Down Nation article, I believe, saying that he was also impressing at Riders Camp. So there could be a quarterback battle there. I just have a feeling that's going to side with Paxton Lynch. Just because Paxton has the professional experience that Noah Pickton most certainly does not. No, but I mean, I feel like, you know, Noah Pickton has shown a lot of potential. Um, again, I'll see if I can fill out the article uh, real quick because I think it, if I remember correctly, that's what it was. I might be mistaken. Uh but, well, you well you do that. Let's quickly pop to what's going on in uh, Winnipeg with Andrew Harris potentially missing the first game of the season. Big question mark there. Um, I don't know how they get out of that if he, they lose him because I don't think Zach Caleros is necessarily the kind of quarterback that can carry you uh, with his arm alone, especially not at this stage of his career. Um, but they also picked up Alden, Alden Darby, correct? Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg lost a receiver to a torn Achilles. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, their camp, like, losing uh, – oh, Mitch Pickton, Noah's brother. That's who's impressing at camp. Hmm. I didn't even know he had a brother, to be honest. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was Mitch Pickton. I know nothing about him. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see if I Receiver. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Never would have guessed. It sounds like he could end up being in the like team one receiving core. Yeah, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but do you want to? There, there's bigger news. Apparently, that that you know we, uh, that you know we're we're kind of connected to. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Derek Dennis apparently on the the Rod Peterson show on Wednesday. Um. He apparently, according to him, asked for a release a week after signing hmm. 
with Edmonton. I did not see that. Uh, he says, I just haven't been happy with how upper management has been moving since the day I signed. My thing is, if you know me, the tweet, the way I tweet is the way I talk. I'm very honest, very upfront. I don't hide anything. He doesn't. He, he really doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. I tell you exactly how I'm feeling at the moment. I'm dealing with it as such. I'm very vocal with them about how things are going and not, and me not wanting to put myself in a situation that would be detrimental to me. And then he just feels like it fall, fell off deaf, fell on deaf ears. I was hoping that things would get solved and it has been in the proper direction. He's been asking for his release from the team all off season. A week after he signed, after I signed, I asked for my release. Wow. Yeah, that. I mean, I'm kind of on the spot here because I haven't really looked into that. I didn't even know that happened uh, because, again, Wednesday I would have been at uh, training camp while Rod was doing his show. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Derek puts things in very plain language. If he's not happy with you, he's going to tell you. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't hide anything. He's a very open, honest human being. Uh, and – Personally, I I, ha- I kind of have to commend him for that. I mean, a lot of teams don't like that, and he knows that. Um, I can understand why they don't want that at times. You know, it it can possibly be a distraction, but I mean, to me, Derek's a good football player. He's a, he's the most outstanding offensive lineman for a reason. You know, I'm I just find it hard to believe that nobody want some on his, on their football team. Yeah, I mean, I think there's teams that want him. I think Toronto is a team that could use them. Calgary is a team that could use them. There are teams that could use Derek Dennis. Mm-hmm. But if Edmonton, if Edmonton doesn't want to trade him or release him, you're kind of in no man's land. I, I just, like, I don't want to get too in-depth about how I feel about that situation because I, I don't want to, you know, take sides even though I'm a massive fan of what Derek does and I I sympathize for him. Um, It just feels like there's some entangled web in there that you'd have to speak to both sides to get a better understanding of. And the truth will be somewhere in the middle. Like the the situation just seems like a disaster to me. Oh, it, it definitely seems like it's not going to end well for anyone involved. Yeah. Um, you know, we have about five minutes or so until we're joined by Klukas here on the show. Uh, you know, shout out to the Olympics. You know, shout out to, to Penny Alexiak becoming the most decorated summer Olympian in Canadian history with six medals. Already. At 21 years old, you know, congrats to her. Congrats to, to you know, all the athletes, really. I mean, you know, for, for being able to be put in that situation, especially with – with how things are being handled in Japan with the pandemic, like that must not be easy. Uh, Didn't you know, we also send a swimmer that's like 14? I haven't been paying too super close attention. I haven't paid too much attention. I think there's a, a gymnast from Great Britain that's like 12. Yeah, that's uh, insane to me. I don't understand how that's like allowed, but congratulations hey, the, for being there. But oh my I mean, God, hey, if you're the it best, just seems you're too young best. to me. Yeah, it just seems too young the, to me. Hey, if you're the best, you're the best. I mean, you can't, it's like Simone Biles, right? And that, that's another thing, you know, she, from, from what my gathering from the situation is that she took a step back, um, 
due to mental health uh, struggles and, and being able to cope with certain things. I'm not, uh, not sure that the ins and outs, I haven't seen much detail about it, but it just shows yeah. you that even the most decorated athletes struggle with, uh, with their mental health. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a comment on that. Not because I don't care, but because I just, again, I don't about the situation to have an, uh, a comment really. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I wish her all the best and I hope that she can recover from, from whatever's got her down. I, I saw a list of injuries that she had. I don't know if those are current or not, but I hope she can heal both mentally and physically. Yeah. I mean, and, and realistically, this is the reason why I mentioned is that like, this is bigger than just her. You know, these mm-hmm. are athletes as a whole. And I've seen people, you know, drag on her and like rag on her for it. And it's like, you know, they're human beings. They, they struggle with the same thing. This is, this is more, this is a job to them. You know, they, like, it's more than just a hobby. It's their life. And, you mm-hmm. know, I don't think it's fair to rag on someone for dealing with something when realistically they have, it has no impact on you if she performs or not. Like, you're, she's the one winning the medals, not you. Yeah. So, and it kind of, it goes over to, to how, you know, us as fans kind of treat players from time to time. Uh, you know, I think one thing we need to be as a, as a fan base as a whole is be more respectful towards players. Yeah. I am. When, do, when do we want to announce our news? Hmm. We can do it now. Take a I, break. Think we should do it. I think we should do it. Or should we take, take a, a quick break? Take a quick break and come back and yeah. then announce it. Or announce it, then take a break and then introduce Lucas. Let's let's take a break, announce it, and then if Michael is here, we can introduce him then. Sounds good. So we'll be right back. We'll take a quick break. And then we'll tell you the exciting news uh, when we're back. Some major news for for us, uh, you know, Frankie. Well, this has been a long time going for a little bit. Um, we've talked about it for for a while and kind of mulled over the idea of doing it. But we're proud. Like I, I'm super excited for this as someone who follows that scene and with and with it being legal now in Canada, we have officially partnered uh, with Bodog. Uh, to, to bring you the, the most up-to-date betting odds 
betting lines in not just the CFL, but in sports as a whole. And this is huge for us, huge for you guys. And I'm super excited to get going. Yeah, I think it's going to be – I'm so excited to finally have, uh, you know, the ability to do something like this. It's been a long time coming, as you said. Um, and I think it means that we're going to have to have a little bit of a segment on our shows from now on where we pick our lock of the week. And I'm thinking I'm going to throw $10 into a game each week and hopefully make some money. If not, well, I better get yeah. better at predicting. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have a little bit of our segment every week uh, about different things and whatnot. Obviously, you can request what you want us to look after week to week. But, man, I'm super excited for this. I've, I've been a huge fan of Bodog for a while. I've actually bet through Bodog for a couple of things. Um, but, yeah, check us out on, on Twitter and our, our socials for the, the link to sign up. And uh, we're, we're excited to get going. But we have uh, – Former Stampeders and Dinos receiver, now current Red Blacks receiver, Mike Lucas in the in the waiting room. So let's bring him in. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Good. How you guys doing? Oh, not We're bad. Yeah. After a slightly cooler day at camp, it was uh, good to not be in the baking hot sun all day. How how are how's camp been going for you? It's been good. It's uh, you know, it's just nice playing football again. Absolutely, and. Uh, yeah, it's different this year with all the quarantine rules, but, you know, the guys are doing a good job still getting to know each other on that front. So been having a lot of fun that way. Excuse the the dim lighting back here. This is the, the dorm quarantine setup. So tried to do the best I could. That's all right. We're, uh, we've had people on before who have their cameras sideways and they're in a completely pitch black room. Uh, I think Willie Jefferson had one of the worst setups that I've ever seen before, Shane. <laughs> Um, but to be fair, like he also had his like two year old running around, so yes, gotta give him a little a little slack there. Yeah. But uh, Mike, I want I want to start with uh, your four three forty. We've been seeing at camp how explosively fast you are, uh, and the first time I ever saw you on the field, and I I looked at you and I'm like that guy ran a four three forty. Like you 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 are so much faster than you look. How does uh, how, how do you do that basically? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely Frankie. That's not the first time uh, I've heard that. So uh, I, you know, it's just a lot of work, definitely not just one off season. Uh, track training has kind of been a big part of my off season training, probably since I, I, my last couple of years with the dinos I have a great coach out in Kelowna. He, uh, you know, he's a great mentor to me, track background, Brant Freilich. And then actually this past off season, I started working with Joshua Haynes virtually. He works out in California with a Evo sports training group. And those are the same guys that train John Ross, Deshaun Jackson. So a lot of guys that I like to kind of imitate my game that way. And uh, we started training and we we're doing stuff in, in the garage and parkades in Calgary. Cause obviously gyms were shut down. I had a shovel in my car at all times going out the fields, just shoveling kind of like a 40 yard strip for myself or something like that. And, and he was great at adapting the whole program to COVID and then obviously was a free agent. So went through a combine workout that way. And, was happy with the time, but I mean, most important thing is just, can you translate it to the field? And, you know, I, I feel pretty good about that. And, and that's always, I mean, testing numbers are one thing, but it's how, how fast can you be running a route? How fast can you get down the field? So that's just as important too. And we work on that as well. 
And I mean, you mentioned already a little bit of your, your off season routine. What was it for you? Like what, what did you spend most of your time doing other than, you know, the track stuff? Well, it was, uh, it was such a different off season. Uh, you know, it was kind of just finding things that you can do in my house, in my garage. I kind of built a little gym for myself. I think the main thing for a while was kind of pacing it out, making sure that I stay healthy and, you know, you want to peak at the right times and without knowing when the season was going to start, that was difficult too. So definitely went through kind of different phases where sometimes, you know, I wanted to put on a little weight, was doing more of that in the gym then had some more mobility phases and kind of cooled off a little bit, but it was all over the place trying to get a regularly uh, structured program. I'm sure if you ask anybody in the CFL was quite the task this past 18 months. Yeah. And I mean, you, you also signed relatively late into the off season. What, did the market for yourself, was it, was there much activity for you in the offseason trying to find the right place or was it just the Red Blacks were the team that came knocking and you, you opened the door? There was some situations for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I stayed in contact with a lot of teams and especially I would say it really did start ramping up kind of uh, around when I signed with Ottawa, but I just thought it was a fantastic situation you know I'm, I'm a fan of uh coach Lapo's offense I'm a fan of the receivers they had here you know RJ Harris uh, I think he's a great receiver I've actually I play Madden with Dom Davis in like a 30 30 team league so kind of connected him with there that way and yeah just kind of with the opportunities I had on the table and you know what was a smart decision for me at the time uh, I was just so grateful to get a get a chance in Ottawa and come out here and hopefully compete for a roster spot and you've come out training camp so far. You've absolutely cooked some of the DBs in the one-on-ones. I can tell that some of them are on the same page as me. They don't expect you to be as fast as they are, and then you're 10 yards behind them. Uh, but the camaraderie, camaraderie between the defense and the offense, I mean, has mostly been – there's been a lot of chirping back and forth so far, of course, as it is training camp. But how do you feel that the team is is gelling together and – you know, getting ready to, to go week one. Yeah, I think uh, our defense is so great and they fly around, you know, they're so physical and it really does generate quite a bit of competition between the offense and defense. But, you know, I love what we've been doing at the end of practice. We're kind of getting around as much as we can with COVID tapping each other up and it's just, it's all smiles and laughs. And, you know, it's, it's fun because the defense at the end of the day, does want us to to be great we want them to be great too so you know it's as frustrated as we may get when they make a play in practice in those competition periods it's kind of fun to go back and watch film and you know be like oh, look at baltimore on this play you know he's out there balling he's he's got this on an island and and i've got to know a couple of them really well you know and they're great guys and, and great competitors and it's just iron sharpens iron at the end of the day shane i'm kind of stealing all the the, the show here what are you kind of think as always, I mean, that's kind of what you do, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But I have a question of how how, do they, how does it go from playing with Bo Levi Mitchell, arguably probably one of the top five quarterbacks, top ten quarterbacks the CFL, CFL has seen. If to, not the and, best. Yeah, if not the best. Well, we'll see how when his career is up. From going from playing with Bo Levi to playing with Nichols and learning a whole new system, is, it, is there a transitional period or playing with a oh, – potential hall of famer playing with a potential hall of famer is it the same or 
yeah, I've uh, I've been pretty lucky on that end with uh, getting to play with those guys. The only other quarterback I played with is Arbuckle too. So you know, can't uh, like I said, been so lucky. But Bo, me, uh, you know, he was definitely a big mentor to me when I was in Calgary. And actually, the first training camp I had in 2018, I came in as a undrafted free agent. And that year, I I got on the practice roster, and when they called me in. I'd probably taken maybe five reps with Bo, just how it goes. He's the starter. I was probably like the fifth group receiver in that camp. And the management talked to me and they said, yeah, you know, our quarterback, the whole camp has been fighting for you to be on this team and for you to stick around. And those two years in Calgary, he was just an amazing mentor to me. He always had my back. You know, he, he made sure that he, I was always seeing what he was seeing and that was great. And now I get to go, like you said, with Matt Nichols, who, I mean, in that 2019 season, he probably was the MOP before he got hurt, in my opinion. And I noticed a lot of similarities between the two, both such smart guys, great leaders. You know, they just have this presence when they walk in the huddle. And uh, yeah, like I said, I couldn't I couldn't be more lucky going from Bo to Matt Nichols. And Matt's a great guy, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him more and getting more reps with him. Yeah, I mean, Red Box fans have been pretty worried about uh, the receiving core just because of the way that 2019 went with, you know, the 3-15 and 15 record or whatever it was. Who on that receiving core do you think uh, that Red Box fans should get to know uh, that players that can be difference makers when uh, week one rolls around? Oh, there's a lot. Uh, I was actually just having a conversation with somebody earlier that I, I really like who we have in that room. And I think there's a lot of talent. I mean, it's one of those things that I, I know, you know, the buzz out there is people are worried about our receiving core, but those numbers that people were putting up in 2019, I mean, that's two years ago, you know, in a way it's like everybody's kind of coming out of retirement. Uh, so I, I like the guys we have. I think uh, Davis is an electrifying player in the slot. I think he's shown that in a couple scrimmages. I think RJ Harris is going to have a, a great year. Germ, Germ the Worm, he had an unbelievable practice today. And, yeah, I mean, I guess when you're just looking at the Can Canadians, Bahar is knows every position on the field. You know, we could plug him in anywhere. He's been solid. Uh, Peterman, great run after the catch guy. Coombs, I mean, yeah, I'm – I feel like I'm doing a bad job answering your question specifically because <laughs> I'm just kind of going through the list, but uh, I, I really just can't, can't pick one. I mean, I feel like I could keep going on guys and I mean, it's, there's 19 guys right now. So obviously not all of them are going to be on the final roster, but yeah. I really could go down the list and give you guys a trade about each one of them and why I think they could be a special player in the CFL. Yeah. And that's something I've noticed being at camp so far. I've said, numerous times that I think the hardest position to cut down is going to be the receivers because there's so much talent there. And you think about guys like Shannon Smith, who has already been released once. And I was surprised by that. Uh, he's had a, a solid camp. Jordan Smallwood has looked fantastic. Yes. Daniel Peterman has been lights out he, and he's taken a bunch of big hits too and gotten back up every time. And then you got, you, you know, you got guys like Nate Bahar who coach every position, you with your speed, your route running and your hands that, I think could could play a massive role on the team. There's and I mean I'm I'm forgetting some guys like Wesley Lewis had yes three amazing catches in the in the scrimmage. Like it's not going to be an easy position to cut down. I think Marcel Desjardins has his hands full with this one, and I think that there's some really good football players that are going to either end up on a practice squad somewhere 
are going to be difference makers for other football teams around the league. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And it's, it's funny that you say, oh, yeah, I'm forgetting someone because I guarantee uh, we're going to end this conversation. I'm going to go back and say, oh, I should have talked about that guy, you know, yeah. but but absolutely. We, I mean, there's a ton of guys. I think you could do a ton of different lineups with these 19 guys. We'll see what it ends up being, but I'm sure you'll see guys popping up around the league. And I mean, fortunately, that, that's pro football. I mean, when guys get released, doesn't mean they're not a good football player. It just might be a system fit might be as we know ratio things like that so there's going to be some great guys that that don't end up here but uh, i'm sure they'll they'll do well in other places and, and for you you can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe you've been out there playing special teams uh quite frequently what kind of a difference does that make for you in terms of making a team when there's so many other uh so many other factors that go into it huge difference uh i mean that's that's one of the thing that separates a lot of guys even if you know they're a guy that maybe wasn't a heavily targeted receiver in camp they can get out there and play specials i mean uh, that just adds to your value i mean that's how a lot of guys stick around the league for a long time too i i didn't play many specials in calgary i think i played a couple reps of field goal return as a returner kickoff return and onside kick but here coach dice has given me a lot of opportunity it's a lot to learn you know i, I love the technique that he teaches and trying to work it the best I can and yeah, get on as, as many reps in practice as I possibly can kick off punt return punt things like that. Even scout team. I mean, it's, it might hurt the legs a little bit in camp sometimes, but you get those practice reps. Cause once the season starts, you're not getting 10 reps of punt return in practice, you know, you're getting one or two. So yeah, it's definitely something uh, it's new to me for sure, but you know, I'm trying to work at it and do the best I can. Is there someone in particular that you've kind of latched on to that has taken you under their wing, so to speak, to throughout this camp? Uh, special teams wise, or just kind of just anyone? Yeah. Oh, that's that's tough. I mean, one of the the funny things I feel like is I'm in our receiver room. I mean, I'm only 27, but I'm I've probably played more games than a lot of guys in there, which is kind of strange to me. You know, only going into year three, but. I think one of the guys I've really tried to latch on to is, is RJ. Uh, like I said, I just think he is, he is a ton of talent that, you know, um, almost hasn't even been tapped into his full potential. And I think he's a smooth route runner. Uh, I also think Nate Bahar, you know, just having a guy like that, that really understands the offense. He's like another, another coach on the field. And, and I, I also like to try to tap in with defensive guys too, you know, uh, understand that side of the ball. I think, uh, you know, Sherrod, I think I, I've talked to him quite a bit and, and he's kind of given me, you know, different things to try out on routes. I mean, you go against each other a hundred times in camp. He starts to starts to learn what you're doing out there a little bit and can give you some some tips on how to do it differently. So that's been great, too. Shane, I got one more before I let you talk again. Um, Avery Williams did an interview on uh, TSN 1200 the other day where he basically said that uh, the media that are saying that they're only going to win, you know, two games or whatever. He said that if you listen to that, you're a sheep. You want to be the wolf, not the sheep. Um, uh, that hasn't changed a whole bunch. I mean, people are still predicting three win season, two win season. What do you think about uh, those predictions or are they just something that you don't even think about? Uh, um it's one of those things that I, I think it, it can be motivating for a room, for sure. I mean, I do think those predictions are 
a little bit laughable if I'm just saying that. I mean, again, it's it's everybody coming off a 18 month break, a whole new team, new coach, you know. So I uh, I definitely don't put any stock in those predictions, but but I mean, it's also fun, you know. It's an opportunity to prove a bunch of people wrong. I think that's always can be exciting and i mean me personally i guess i don't get motivated from that you know i'm more motivated internally and from other things but hey, if you know guys like to put the poster up in the locker room and says you know we're gonna win three games all the power to them because i think that we will easily prove that wrong shane go ahead have you got anything uh, yeah um so i'm a huge youth sports fan i mean playing football growing up in ottawa got to see a lot of the ottawa ggs and a lot of the, the Calgary Dinos, one of my favorite or like schools to watch. You were part of the the Dinos from fifteen to eighteen, part of the the team that lost back to back to to Laval in sixteen in the Vanier Cup and then seventeen in the Mitchell Bowl. Seeing the Dinos win the Vanier Cup in twenty nineteen as an alumni, you know you you played most likely played with a lot of the guys that were on that team. How how did that make you feel watching those guys finally? get over the hump and, and finally win it for, for the school. It was amazing. It was a, it was a really cool moment because I was watching it with other alumni and, you know, just, I mean, I don't want to say like we set the standard in a way, but it was just, it was so many teams of playing at such a high level and, you know, coming up just a little bit short in those national championship games or those semifinals. And every year we felt like we were the best team and, and it's funny because uh, I talked to Buckley, who was the QB coach on that team, former Stamps quarterback, and he was saying that when they got out there with the coaches, this was maybe the one year in the past 10 years that they kind of got together and said, you know, I don't know, like, how this team's going to shape out. It wasn't, you know, we're going to be that convincing number one, but those guys did a great job coming together. And, I mean, seeing Sinagra win it was awesome too because we, you know, we played together, had a lot of great moments together. I mean, I still think he, he should have got a CFL shot, but that's another uh, conversation for a different time. But, yeah, seeing those guys come through and, you know, it, it was a game that, that wasn't easy. I mean, in Laval playing Montreal, but uh, – and then they had a great game where they got that Hail Mary thrown on them against Manitoba, and then they stopped the two-point conversion to keep playing. So, you know, they really came over the humps, things that kind of stalled us in the past. They managed to fight through it and injuries and – it was, uh, it was awesome for the school and the program to see him win, and I'm, I'm hoping for a repeat this year. Yeah, I mean, you heard the news of, of TSN um, hopefully getting more involved with youth sports and you know, hopefully seeing more of it on TV. What do you have advice-wise for kids who are watching the Red Blacks or watching CFL games across the country who are like, man, I want to play in this league and they'll, and they're not sure about U sports. You know what? What's your advice to them to actually take a look at U sports and seeing how dominant, how good of football it actually is? I think uh, the first thing you can do is just statistically look at how many players in the CFL are coming out of U sports. I mean, I know that there is a lot of flash in the NCAA, but I mean, when you look at guys that have stuck on the rosters and have been here for a long time, I mean, you're getting a lot of Laval, Calgary, Western. So I think just right there, the analytics show that U Sports is a great way to go to the pros. I think the competition in U Sports just keeps getting better and better every year too. 
And so I think that that also means that the coaching is getting better. So you're going to get a lot of great coaches that way. And just it's such a big advantage in the CFL game. I mean, playing Canadian football your whole life, playing in these systems, understanding the waggle, understanding how things like that work, that when you get here, it's not as big of a learning curve, I'd say. I think that's just the biggest advantage for anybody coming out of U sports is that it's still just it's football to you. You know, it's no different than what you were doing in university. Yeah, I mean, I, that's probably one of the best answers I've heard for that question. I think it's straight to the point, and, and I mean, hopefully we'll see a competitive youth sports league. I think most of, the, most of the, the divisions are doing six-game seasons. I think I know Canada West and, and OUA are. I don't know about out East and RSEQ because they usually do things differently than everyone else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think – I have nothing else. I mean, Frankie, do you have I anything? I got two more. I got two more. Of course you do. <laughs> and they, they pertain to the fans. So uh, last Saturday, you guys had fans back in the building for the first time. I think there was about 300 there I read, uh, but it sounded like 30,000. Uh, how did it feel for you guys to finally get back on the field with fans in the stands? That was uh, – hey, you know, I was, I was telling my friends that getting in that first game hopefully – will probably be a pretty emotional moment but that that scrimmage was was pretty emotional and pretty cool you know to to go out there and we ran by the fans gave a standing ovation i mean it's just anybody that loves this game loves football in canada you know and has been pushing for it to come back for these 18 months and for the players that have just you know and essentially put life on hold in a lot of ways just to get back out there and make sure they're doing what they can to take advantage of this opportunity and still seeing that support. I mean, that was just an, uh, an amazing experience. And, and all I've heard about Ottawa is you know, how loud our nation is, especially from the players and things like that. And like you said, that was a little amount of fans and, you know, felt like packed stadium <laughs> running past them. So that, that was just, that was awesome. Something that I'll definitely remember that moment for a long time, that first time seeing the fans again. And then my last one for you, when there is 15,000 people in the stands, uh, home opener, what should fans expect to see in terms of what the Ottawa Red Blacks do on the field? I think we're going to be fast, both sides of the ball. I mean, just, just how we move and, uh, you know, our play style, play calls, defense flies around. I think our offense moves quickly. We're organized. You know, we, we play situational football. We're going to be calm that way. And, so, you know, like I said, the, the media's kind of given us not so good of a reputation, but I think people are, should be ready for some exciting football from the Ottawa Red Blacks this year. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I've been super impressed with what I've seen from you and your teammates out at training camp so far, uh, and I think it's going to be a great season of Red Blacks football. We thank you for, ha uh, for coming on, and <laughs> you can tell Chris we're sorry for not going through him. Uh, after he he DM'd me and he told me never do that again, basically. So. Oh no worries, no worries. Yeah, no. Appreciate you guys having me on, and yeah, no. Hopefully, uh, we can chat again throughout the season. Absolutely. Anytime you want to come on, you're welcome to to be here. Love it. No, thanks a lot, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. Have a wonderful one. Well, there you guys have it. There's uh. Mike Kluglis, receiver for the Ottawa Redblacks. And honestly, I'm super excited to see him ball out for Ottawa this year. He's been I think he 
I, ha- I haven't really had a chance to say like or to talk about what I think is uh, who's been good, who you know hasn't. I mean, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been good at training camp so far. I think everybody's looked pretty solid. Uh, but Michael Klukas is one of the ones that I look at as really impressing me, uh, and I think Daniel Peterman's another one of those guys. He's been phenomenal, uh, and I, I have to stop myself from saying that he can fill Brad Sinopoli's shoes because I think that's such a high expectation. But he is maybe a, he's he's definitely a little bit shorter. But God, Red Blacks fans are going to very quickly love Daniel Peterman. I think. Also, Nick, yes, there should be racing odds on uh, on Bodog. I believe they have Formula One racing odds. So you can head on over there once we post the link and whatnot. Sign up and uh, help uh, help you win money by helping us win money. Everyone wins in this situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know, staying on the the, the topic of, of Red Blacks, I believe they're they're plus uh, eighteen hundred to win the Grey Cup. Yeah. Well, they weren't uh, even on the list. I don't know who it was that posted that list, but they weren't on it. Uh, I don't know who posted it, but they're on it. Uh, well, they, no, no, no. They they put the top eight and then left the red blacks omitted from the bottom. But, but they not, they're not even the worst one. I don't know who posted that, but that's not even like uh, you know. I, I'm not going to say that the the red blacks are going to come out and they're going to win the Grey Cup this year. I think there's just I think that there's a little bit too much negativity surrounding the team because of 2019 Matt Nichols is a good quarterback right RJ Harris I think has taken the next step so far I think he's capable of being a number one receiver um Jordan Smallwood is another name that Red Blacks fans should get familiar with because he has looked really friggin good in this training camp uh Mike Klukas I don't right now he's not taking first team reps but he is playing second team uh I think he'll end up in the in in the offense at some point with some kind of role. Same with Devontae Dedman, Rafael Arujo Lopes. There's two names that we didn't mention, Shane, that exactly <laughs> to Michael's point that we were going to leave here and have two people or a couple people that we didn't mention. Rafael Arujo Lopes, Devontae Dedman. There's two. Um, Nate Bahar is a weapon. Like Anthony Coombs, Tim Timothy Flanders. There's weapons that the Red Blacks can use. And just because they aren't the names of Greg Ellingson, Brad Sinopoli, Ernest Jackson, and Chris Williams doesn't mean that they can't be. Because remember what Brad Sinopoli was, what Greg Ellingson was when they joined this team? They weren't Uh, the superstars that they are today. So I I just – I think there's a little bit too much negativity. Especially – I texted you the defensive lineup. I think that they have – an upper echelon defense in the CFL. I think that there's maybe two positions where they might still be looking at who's going to start. And let's remember Here's this. the thing. Gerard Fernandez is currently in the second team. He was one if, of the best players in the Red Blacks defense last year. If Ottawa's offense could be better, they don't even have to be good. They could be they could be average. Our defense is good like the, the Red Blacks defense is good enough. To, to win games if they're not on the I field agree. for 40 minutes a night. Like, mm-hmm. you can't lose, you can't expect to win games when you're not winning the possession game. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think with this offense, they can win the possession game. But also, since it's race weekend, I figured, you know, weekend. we're about 
figure we can end off with some stats or for some futures. There is quite a bit in terms for Formula One. Like there is so much. Uh, so for the race, outright winner, the favorite is Max Verstappen at minus one twenty. The next, they have Lewis Hamilton at plus one thirty five, and that, that's easy though because there's only three race winners this season. And the only reason that there wasn't, there's not still two. If you remember back to Baku, both Max and Lewis ended up out of the points. Max DNF'd and Lewis uh, locked up his front brakes and overshot turn one. So that's the only reason we don't have two winners this season. Yeah, uh, but it goes literally from plus one thirty five for Hamilton all the way up to plus fourteen hundred for Sergio Perez. That is, yeah. he is the third favorite to Can win. Can you race. tell me what Nicholas Latifi, Nikita Mazepin, and Mick Schumacher are at? So, Nick Sh- Mick Schumacher, uh, Nicholas Latifi, and Nikita Mazepin are all plus uh, 50,000. 50, so, what does that mean if I bet $1 on them? Uh, if you were to bet one, oh, and also Lance Stroll is also in there too. What? It's like five. So, they're. Uh, Giovinazzi, Ocon, Rakonin, Stroll, Schumacher, Latifi, Mez, uh, o- Ocon looks Mazepin. like a little gremlin, dude. He looks like a goblin. Uh, and Tuznoda are all plus 50,000. You butchered so, those names. Yep, my bad. I'm English is not a Tuznoda. Tuznoda. Well, those, uh, if are, you were most to, of those are names are not English, by the way. So If you okay. were to bet $1, if, if any of those were to win... You would win $500. So you're telling me Lance Stroll, if I put $1 on Lance Stroll and he wins the race. You win $500. That sounds like it might be a solid option. Because <laughs> um, at some point, one of those midfield teams has to luck their way into a victory, right? Like, I might be insane, but I feel like it's going to happen. Not necessarily Lance Stroll, but, you know, Lando Norris is a guy who's had his name up there many times like he might be able to do it at some point well but you can also that, do top like, six finish you can also bet on top six finish oh can you lance, lance stroll is plus 25 2500 what's land what's lando norris at because that's, that's a pretty easy bet lando norris is minus 300 okay so i make nothing yeah you lose money you bet two dollars on lance stroll you win 50 bucks like honestly that's that's not a bad bet if you think about it because well, Lance he's, is relatively he's consistent. He's even yeah. to finish top 10 for Stroll. He's he's relatively consistent. I, I, like Lance just needs a couple things to bounce his way, and then he can have a P5 or a P6. That's, that's not a, a stretch in the car that he's in and very, very possible. So that's, that's a bet is, that you might look at. This is definitely the, the benefit of single event betting. Because you mm-hmm. have now both team drivers finish top 10. You have both team drivers finish top 6. F- team fastest lap. Uh, driver fastest lap. So uh, I can bet that Red Bull has the fastest lap of the weekend. Yeah, they're minus 150, so I wouldn't put any money on it. But you can do it. You can do both to he- like uh, pole position and win the race. This Max Verstappen is the favorite at 120. Fastest lap and win the race for Stappen at one twenty five at one seventy five. 
You can do pole position, fastest lap, and win the race. Verstappen's the favorite for that. And then you can do the over-under on how many drivers lead the race. That's two point. The over or under is at 2.5. You can do practice winner. Qualify winning car. <laughs> Free practice yeah. margin. Qualify winning margin. Winning car. Winning margin. How many, how many thousands of a second will a winner time be? Grid position winner. Will any drivers complete the hat trick? Winning nationality. Safety car mm. period during race. Virtual safety car period during race. How many safety? Like these are all things you can bet on on Bodog. How many safety cars? How Ooh. many? How many safety car period? Safety car. So safety car period in the race. Yes or no? Virtual safety car period. Yes or no? Oh, safety car period in the race. Yes. Easy. Yes. How many safety car periods during the race? Zero, one, two, three, or more to finish the race. You can bet on people to finish the race. Both cars finish mm. the race. Number of drivers to finish the race. Number how many cars will fail to complete the first lap? Zero. Fastest driver to retire from the race. First car to retire from the race. First driver to make a pit stop. Like this is Shit. what single event betting has allowed. And this is just Formula One. I mean, I don't know how this many is Formula literally One fans just, that we have, but this is I'm literally just for Sunday's race. I'll be interested to see, well, the, the weekend because there was some practice yeah. stuff and there's some qualifying. I'd be interested to see what we're going to get when it comes to CFL football. And, I mean, on that point, Shane, by the way, we do have a fantasy league that we started. The 13th yes, man do. has a fantasy league. Uh, so you can join that. Um, I've already got my team set. I I think I put Raphael Arujo Lopes at my flex. I'll be honest there. I Man, this is – it's pretty nice to be at camp because I kind of – I see what's going on, and I see a really cheap Rafael Arujo Lopes with some serious potential. Yes, you can also do NASCAR. It's all under motorsport. Uh, now, so for any of the motorsport people, I can list off what they have. They have NASCAR, Formula One, Supercars, MotoGP. Yeah. And we're going to post a link too. So you use our link. I don't know – what kind of uh, perks that gives anybody who's using it. Um, but it helps us. So we hope that's enough for you to, to want to use our link. But they have so much things that, you know, you can go through. They have handball. They have freaking handball. They have yeah. virtual sports. They have water polo. They, you can make a prop builder. They have rugby. I've you never know. been a big, you know, sports betting guy, to be honest. But, I mean, then again, it was kind of illegal. Yeah. <laughs> but, so – this is exactly what, like, this single sports betting has done for Canada, and I'm super excited to get going with with this. Yeah. But with that too. being said, we're gonna have to get a segment in here, Shane. We're gonna pick our lock of the week event, and I don't know if you're gonna put any money on stuff, but I definitely, oh, I I'm definitely gonna have will. ten bucks a week that I'm gonna to put in. I think is my plan. Oh, 100 percent. I think so. I think that's gonna be a thing. But it's anyways, make a smart bet. Yeah, I mean, hey, if, again, if you guys want to talk about bets, let us know. We can put it in our show. But, guys, thank you all for tuning in for on a brand-new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. Thank you for Mike Kluklis for joining us today on Short Notice. Uh, next week, we w- hopefully we'll have Xavier Moon if he's feeling better. I know he got hurt Yeah, the other we don't day. know when it's going to be yet. Uh, they do have a game Monday night uh, against Saskatchewan. So 
uh, it definitely won't be Monday night, but uh, any other day of the week is 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 a we'll have a we'll have a CBL special yes. going on hopefully next week. Hey, by the way, we didn't mention that, but holy shit, that's good basketball. If it you is. haven't watched a game yet, go do so. Yes, anyways, guys, we'll catch you later. Catch us on our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. We will catch you next week. Stay safe and enjoy the weather. And again, next week, CFL football. Mm-hmm.